Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. With the first pick in the 2022 Awards Radar draft. Well, you'll find out in a moment. But yes, we are doing that today on the Awards Radar podcast. Um, joined, as always, with uh, Miles and Steve. Miles, you uh, still don't fully understand what we're doing, but we'll figure it out. Hey, everybody. Joey basically spent 30 minutes before the show explaining to me how drafts work because I don't sports. So if I'm a little slow on the uptake during this process, just know that that's probably why. I probably should have just made you watch Draft Day, the movie. Yeah, I wouldn't have held your breath on that. That's true. And Steve's here. I'm here. This is like the HSX. Um, Remember HSX? Oh, God. From like, like 20 years ago? This is essentially the same yeah. thing. You're making your selections based on what you think is going to perform well. We go into totally. certain order. The Hollywood Stock Exchange, yeah. yeah. I uh, there was a there was another thing I did for a little bit that was a it was a box office one where you would have a certain amount of money, right? It was like a hundred dollars, let's say, and you would take out a hundred dollars worth of box office, you know, in terms of like that weekend's releases to see who did well never did well because like you know you want to diversify i do remember once doing pretty well because they had somehow listed like the opening weekend of one of the saw sequels as like a five dollar purchase and i was like this movie's gonna open a lot of money like you know in the same way like this weekend like dr strange would have been like 85 dollars or something so if you pick that you you had to pick like you know a pure flicks movie to go with it or something like that um that you probably would have been able to do, Miles, and had fun with. Yeah, I, I want to say I did that when it came out. I think I know exactly what you're talking Possibly about. Possibly both did that for a little bit, yeah. Yeah, um, well, I, I think either one of us told each other about it, I think. Yeah, maybe. On Hollywood Stock Exchange, I remember buying early for, for very few pennies on the dollar. Fletch 2 and Ghostbusters 3. <clears throat> excuse me. And Ghostbusters 3. Which I don't know if either of these films count as Ghostbusters 3. But if they yeah. did... After all these years, 15 years later, or whatever it was, uh, I, I'm probably, I get, I probably have quite a nice portfolio. Is it so? Is it? It was free, right? It was just fake money, right? Yeah, yeah. It was just you were using the money. It's like one of those things where, like, you know, build up your team of Avengers. Each one totally. is worth I, this many points. I just pulled it up right now. So apparently, they give you two million dollars in fake money, and uh, for example, a share of. Sonic 3 would be $100. A share of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is $375. Crimes of the Future, $7.33. Oh, wait. It's still up. So, well, there you go. Yeah. HSX is still so, up. Yeah. I'm Now I'm tempted. Oh, um, so what we're going to do... Also, I just realized, Joey, is this your roundabout way of getting me to participate in your in advance predictions? I mean, it's not not... Uh, uh, listen, yeah. a reader came up with this. It okay. just happened. It just happens to rope you into paying a little more attention. But it's not uh, even going to be that big a deal because what we're going to do is we're going to pick. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to do five five films, five actors, five actresses, and then let's see how long that takes. We might like have a bench of like you can pick an extra one or two of each, and you can uh, as like backups in case something gets delayed or something like that. We'll figure it out. We'll see what's left over. There might be a lot of stuff left over that we want to play with. Um, and then we'll uh, off-air figure out exactly how the point structure will work. It's 
equitable to all of us. So like, you know, the, the gist will be like, you know, if the, you know, the, the Oscars obviously would be worth the most and, you know, guild awards and such, but we'll figure out what the smaller ones will do. Cause we don't want to lean too heavily into like, you know, something that's going to only benefit some films or, you know, we want to pick the ones that will largely put everyone in play. So, but we'll, we'll figure out that. So the way it's going to work is we're going to do snake style. So there's three of us. There'll be one, two, three, three, two, one, one, two, three, three, two, one, that kind of thing. Um, and I'm happy to uh, go third. So one of you two can have the first pick. Uh, so I'm going to pull up a random number thing about who's it's, and we will see who goes first. All right, I am generating a number um, between 1 and 50, let's say. All right, Miles, pick a number. 32. Steve, pick a number. 4. Miles, you're on the clock. Oh, God. The number was 44, by the way. Oh, fair enough. What category? Uh, so are we, Are we? yeah, you, are we going category by category? You're welcome just to take all? whatever you want. But once you take Actor X or Film X, they're off the board. No one else can have them. Um, so you can fill out your allotment of five of each, however you feel. If you want to do five films before you get to the actors and actresses, go for it. If you want to spread it out, go for it, however you want. And then once we have our rosters, let's see what's left over. and Maybe we'll, uh, we'll figure out how we want to do the rest of them. Okay, I'm going to actually write this down because I will forget if not. I'm happy to All right. remind you. So for my first pick, uh, I'm going to do a film. I'm going to go with Babylon. Feels like a pretty safe bet to at least do pretty well with technical stuff. Excellent pick. Mm. Steve, you're on the clock. (sighs) I'll go with Killers of the Flower Moon. All right. Any reason why? No. Steve, That's give fair. your a, a deeply thought out answer on why you would pick Martin Scorsese's new film for this contest. <laughs> I, I work the data. Yeah, my, I talked to my... Your sabermetrics team? Yeah, and looking at the algorithms. Uh, yeah, this works out. Fair enough. Um, that actually works out well. Um, my first... My, so in, in the NFL draft, at least, you have what's called a board. You know, you, you may, like, rank your players. Miles, this is mostly for you. So, like... There's 32 teams. If you're picking fifth, let's say, you probably have your board of like your top six or seven players, so you know who's going to be available when they come up. And they're not necessarily the same players that Steve has ranked. So like, you know, your your top pick of Babylon might have been uh, Steve's third pick, so he still got his top pick, or it might have been his first one. Now, Killers of the Flower Moon is his second pick. You know, just in terms of like preference. So there's some strategy going on, mostly as this continues. Right now. There's a there's a handful of good ones, um, which actually means Babylon was my number one, but I get my number two pick on the board, which is The Fablemans. Hard to go wrong with a Spielberg movie. Seems like it could do well for the actors as well. You know, his he always gets tech attention. I think John Williams is still on hand. Like Andrzej Kaminski. Like the things that should be in play are in play. Um, and now because it's round two and we go three, two, one, I go again. I'm gonna throw a slight curveball here, and I'm gonna go for a tech player i'm going to take avatar the way of water oh wow. you know what that's actually clever yeah maybe too Steve? clever um well maybe if it's terrible i'm screwed you know it's what pick. Ooh. 
You know what? High risk, high reward. I respect mm-hmm. that. Well, because you got the one that's really the safe. I mean, I guess I guess first man would have been safer than Babylon even, but I gotta imagine you're in a good spot. I would imagine so. Well, I'm gonna go poor things. Ah, you know, oh, that was gonna be my next pick. Lanthimos I, I was, did well. I, I actually didn't 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 uh, the, the, last the favorite did very well. Yeah, do well. Yeah, across the board. Yeah, that's really the only one that has done well. But this is also a period. There's there's no reason yeah. to expect that it won't do well. Miles, mm-hmm. see now you now you now this is where a little more planning would have been helpful because clearly the pick you would have picked is off the board. But right, we're still early enough that you don't like. Oh yeah, no, there's there's a, there's other stuff. But yeah, I would have gotten that early. Uh, all you picked right. twice, by the way. I picked twice? Okay, yeah. then uh, I'm going to go with the whale. Um, right. I definitely buy into the potential Brendan Fraser best actor narrative. Um, and also, I think if it's done well, it could be a very strong player across the board, at least in terms of like the above-the-line categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since I get a second one... I'm actually going to pivot to actress. I'm going to get one of my actresses. And um, this may seem like recency bias, but I just want to I just want to claim it now so that I have it. Michelle Yeoh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. There you go. Wait a second. So we can pick any category? Yeah, yeah you don't have to just do films. Oh. Films are a little more valuable because Well, they, it's yeah, films, can... actors and actresses, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, the film covers the cinematography, the editing, also the acting. So, like, if you well, double dip. Why wouldn't you just go, go with the film instead of the actress? Well, because you get five of each. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you have to pick five actresses and five actors as well as five films. Yeah, they can fi- overlap, but they don't have to. Okay. But, yeah, but you can go all in on the same film. It's just your... Like, yeah, I can... Matter. Like, if I get around to the next one, I can also say everything everywhere for picture, but gotcha. because I also have to fill out five actresses, that's just an actress that I feel like going with. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to go dig a little deeper. I'm going to go with Maestro. Interesting. I mean, you're going to run the risk of it not coming out, but oh, wait, if it does what? come out... <laughs> I mean, so that's a fringe one because it's you want. I'll give you a do-over if you want, because okay. it's poised to be next year. But I have a hunch it might come out this year. I just, I think it might be a little early. If it comes out, you're you're on the money because it seems like Beatty. But I, I may say you may want to go with something. Uh, I'm going to switch. A it little more that. likely to come out. Uh, how is uh, Canterbury Glass? That's Amsterdam now. But yeah, there you go. Amsterdam. That's David R. Russell. Let's go there. All right. So as we uh, wrap up round three, which will be uh, my pick before we get into round four, just to give you guys a a recap. Miles has Babylon, The Whale, and Michelle Yeoh. Steve has Killers of the Flower Moon, Poor Things, and Amsterdam. I have The Fablemans, Avatar 2, and I am adding into the fray right now, She Said. Now, I am going to actually dip into the acting field and take Brendan Fraser. Oh, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, there isn't a clear-cut like actor in any category that I think you can feel like super good about. We talked about this off-air of, like, I could have made the case last year that if we did this to maybe take Will Smith first overall. Because, like, 
the barrier of entry for getting nominated a lot of places was low. Like, it's everything you want in, like, a prestige acting situation. Winning is another story. But there isn't one this year. But I feel like if there's a groundswell for anyone right now, besides maybe Michelle Yeoh, um, Brendan Fraser might be there because who doesn't want to see him succeed this year? Let me ask you a question again about this. So right. with when I pick picture, you do yes. get points for all the other other categories as well. Totally. So yeah, a pictures, picture, films okay. are all the above. So like yes. I pick she said right. If it gets, you know, here and there some picture love, that's great for me. But if it gets a screenplay nomination, that counts. And if it Excellent. gets something for Carrie Mulligan or Zoe Kazan or Patricia Clarkson, it counts. Um, the actor and the actress are specific. The film is anything where the film is cited. Like that's gotcha. ensemble, all those things. Yeah. Just want to That's how we're going to do it. Who's up? Continuing on, we're round four. You're up. Wait, you didn't do a wraparound? You did one, right? Oh, you I, did the I actor. You did Frazier as well. Okay, I did. She said, and then I did Brendan Frazier. Yeah, now it's okay. You. you have all right. I'm going to go two with more the... films to take, or any of your actors or actresses. I'm going to go with everything, everywhere, all at once. Ah, you son right. of a bitch! I ask questions all right. for a reason. Miles, you pick twice. Steve, keep in mind you only have one more film. Yep, that's fine. I have all the winners. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me take a look here. For what it's worth, they are in fact consulting my list. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do uh, I'm gonna do actress again. No, you know I'm gonna do picture. I'm gonna do the Woman King. I, I have ah. a really good feel about it as like a period, sort of epic kind of thing. All right, you got one more. And you know what? I'm going to double down and uh, throw Viola Davis in specifically. All right. Steve, you're back on the clock. Wow. Um, Question again. So when you choose actress, are you choosing it for a specific role or her for a specific role? Or are you choosing Um, her? You have to choose a specific role. Okay. Because Miss Mulligan has a couple out there that maybe. Yes. I, I would prefer you to pick a specific role. Okay. So then Most of them s- are obvious, like Frazier and Viola Davis and Michelle Yeoh, but yeah. Then I'm going to skip actors and actresses at this point, and I'm going to go with director, Mr. Spielberg. No, nope, there's no director. Oh, there's no director? We're not doing director. Damn it. Do you guys want to do a director also? I I feel like it would just overlap with picture now. I mean, it's, I it's up to you. We that have, was my plan, overlap. We have, <laughs> I mean, we have 15, you're going to end up with 15 things right now. Five actors, five actresses, five films. Now, do you want to... I say skip expand, director. Expand? Okay. No, I think I think we're good. Um, you have then one I'm gonna film go left. Me. If you pick a film, you're done with film. Just keep that in mind. Yep, yep. I'm going to go... <sighs> I'm going to go with Jesse Plemons. All right. Not bad. For uh, Flower Moon? For, yep, for Flower Moon. All right. Um, I am going to go Empire of Light take the a, a safe kind of would-be prestige film which uh leaves me with only one film left um 
And then I am going to pivot and I am going to go and take an actress and I am going to take Regina King, surely. Nice. Very good. All right. Steve, you're back. I'm going to go... Wait, I think you did this. Did you choose... No, you picked the film. Carrie Mulligan, she said. You can you can have Carrie, Carrie Mulligan. I'll choose Carrie Mulligan. All right. Miles twice. I'm making notes of all these. So yeah, I, I have remember. a I have a list as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hmm. I'm gonna put uh, the killer for film. I was wondering about that one. Because I think you know it's Fincher. You know when he's on, he's on, and maybe it'll end up being too genre for uh, award stuff. But you know, yep. I don't think you can bet against him. Yep. You pick again as we enter the new round. Everybody has one film left. Okay. So this becomes the strategy of are you trying to wait out film because something might just be there because everyone else is out? You know, there's there's some there's some thought process here now. All right. Well, I am thought processing. There are there are several options. None are none are like clear cut you gotta have it but there will be you know what you know what i've i've got a um i've got one that i want to throw out there uh i'll do actor i'll do austin butler for elvis Mm, i was i was looking at that film i Mm. think the thing i've consistently heard is that he's the best thing about it so i wouldn't be shocked if we get like a rami malek style surge totally the question is just if he's the best thing about it is it He's good in a bad film. Is he great in a good film? Amazing in a great film? We just don't know. Um, Steve, you're up. So I can choose one more film. Yep. Hmm. Or four of... <laughs> you have plenty of actors and actresses. Yeah. Um, you scared me with The Maestro. That would be my fifth film. But So we're gonna. what we're going to do is... I will give that one to you because at the end, everyone can have something from next year if they want to pick something that maybe like sneaks into this year. And since Maestro is kind of like I'm probably the only one who has it for this year, I'll allow you to have it. If it comes into play, you get to drop one of your films in favor of it. So I was was, was choosing between that and the whale. Uh, I've already got the whale. Oh, you do have the whale? Oh, I thought you only had it as a... Frazier. I would say don't. I mean, you want to pick Maestro, go for it. But I would say don't just because I would say it's like 70 30, it doesn't come out this year. Uh, and we could do something at the end with uh, films like that. So, White Noise and Armageddon Time. Yeah, those are all available. I don't know enough about I mean, you those. may not want to say them out loud and just give Miles and myself options. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just I'm just reading through what's what's out there. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you have, you have options. Like, here, I've. Um, if you want here I'll, get, I'll give everyone an idea of like what the big board still has if we go by my predictions as the big board um, still on the board you have White Noise the Noah Baumbach film you have Armageddon Time the James Gray film you have The Sun the Florian Zeller film you have Shirley the Shirley Chisholm biopic you have um, Women Talking which is um, that's Kelly Reichardt right um, you have 
the Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody. You have the Emmett Till film, Till. You have Martin McDonough's film, The Banshees of Insterling. You have Nope. You have um, Inyaritu's film, Bardo. You have, um, or is that Quran? Why am I spacing on, on which Oscar winner that is? I think Bardo. it's Inyaritu. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I said it and then immediately doubted myself. Um, you have Don't Worry Darling. You have Elvis. You have The Batman. You have, um, Miles, what did you what did you dub 3,000 Years of Longing? Oh, uh, the uh, Tilda Swinton fucks a genie movie. He's got <laughs> genie ears, too. Did you see that image? Yeah, well, I, I, I officially he's supposed to be like a djinn or something, which is a, a, a culture, genie. A, right. a, a genie that is different from being a genie for some culturally specific reason. Yeah, I think um, djinns are also male as a general rule, I think. Could just be ignorant, but I believe djinns are male. And like, well, yeah. So I think it's a movie about Tilda Swinton fucking a genie because the genie's played by Idris Elba, and why wouldn't you? Yeah, why not? Um, also on the board, Knives Out 2, the Wes Anderson movie Asteroid City, um, Disappointment Boulevard, the Ari Aster film, Cha Cha Real Smooth, Blonde, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, if you want to believe that's coming out, Next Goal Wins. Bones and All, the Luca Guadagnino film. Any number of uh, international films from Cannes if you want to be bold. Um, Lightyear, you can go animated. The Northman, Top Gun Maverick. These are all films still on the board. Turning red. Um, I will say that if uh, if it had, had come out still this year, Spider-Man would have, been a, would have been a good pick. And probably would have been off the board by now. Hmm. Everyone can just imagine the tense music. Oh yeah, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. Remember, if you pick a film, you're out of films now. Yeah, I know. I'm just gonna go with the Maestro. I'll take. All one. right, you wanna you wanna hope that it comes. All right, it's I'll a hope. it's a bold play. Yeah. Sure. Um, we'll figure out what we're gonna do about like things getting delayed. There might be an opportunity to drop something. Why don't, right. why don't I, we do? Um, why don't we do a backup? Well, pick? yeah, I'd say that's fair. Like, if it gets officially confirmed for twenty three, I think he should get to swap it out with something. Yeah, Can we do a backup pick that think, only comes into play if something. Yeah, at the end, what's what's because I don't want I don't want to wait until then because what if something that no one picked is like the clear front runner and it's just the luck of the drawer? Yeah, yeah. So we'll have a backup pick at the end. So okay. once we finish, we'll have a backup film. All right, um, I. I'm not sure which film I want now because the ones I mentioned, they all have a like a thing they could do, but they're all missing something in some way. Um, but you know what? I no, I'm not going to do that. Just yet. I thought about doing something bold, but I'm not. Um, I am going to go with. You know what I'm going to do? I am going to go. Hugh Jackman, The Sun. Someone without an Oscar. And then I am going to, with my other pick, double down on an actor and go uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Killers of the Flower Moon. Especially since he's apparently playing a bad guy. Like, that could be pretty damn baity. Steve, you're back up. You are out of films. I'm back, baby. Uh, I do not believe it, um, he has been picked. I'm going to go Brad Pitt, Babylon. There you go. And the upside to this is category placement doesn't matter. 
Miles, you picked twice. All right. For my first pick, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, here's my Hail Mary uh, from uh, this buzzy film. Uh, I'm going to pick Seth Rogen for the Fablemans. There you go. And you got one more. You got two actors, two actresses. So you have three of each left and you have one film left you can pick. Uh, I'm going to stick with uh, actor. I'm going to go off some buzz that I heard recently. Um, I'm going to pick uh, Anthony Hopkins for um, Jay's, James Gray's movie. Cool. There we go. Steve? So if I pick a supporting actress, she goes into just actress, correct? Doesn't matter. It's an actress citation. Okay. So I'll go with Michelle Williams, The Fablemans. Nice. All right. Specifically Fablemans. Yes. Yep. All right. Very good. All right. I picked twice. I'm going to wrap up my pictures, and I'm going to go... I'm going to go Lightyear. Nice. Nice now, pick. Steve, this is a... Like, the movie looks good, right? Oh, the movie looks very good. Okay. So, like, you know, every... I, you so, basically, this is me... Technically, yeah, I it mean, looks good. You know, it, I mean, I mean, it all around looks good. There's, there's nothing. It's, there's no flaws there yet. I, I, everything I saw, well, because looks spectacular and looks more depth yeah, not, to it. So, it could possibly even well, show up is, in screenplay or something strange. Well, I mean, that's that's where you really benefit with a with an animated film. My hope is that it just becomes one of the ones that gets picked for every precursor, because then you're picking up a point every every place. Um, and then I am also going to um, take Adam Driver for White Noise. Damn it, that was my next one. Hmm. Alright. Steve, you're up. Credoli. Let me see. My driver next. No one has. No. Well, she, nah. Uh, let's go. Mark Ruffalo, poor, poor things. Yeah, I was waiting for him to come off the board. Well, if you left Miles, you're up. Driver up there, you could have had him. Yeah, I think Driver's a better spot. Oh. My analyst. All right. You picked twice, Miles. Uh, I'm going to go actress. Uh, I'm going to do Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon. All right. You go again. You now have three. You have. You can pick one film, and you have two actors and two actresses left. Oops. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna add Margot Robbie to actress for Babylon. I thought about her earlier on. That's a good value pick. All right, Steve. I believe I have two actors and three actresses. Spots. Yes. 
All right. Now let's go with uh, Paul Dano, The Fablemans. Solid pick. I am. I have one actor left, and then four actresses. I've really leaned in, in a different direction. Um, so I'm going to get an actress out of the way right now. I'm going to go with my uh, a personally a personal favorite. I'm going to go Zoe Kazan for she said. And then for my other pick, I am going to. Pick Cape Lanchette for Tar. Mm-hmm. Steve, you're back. On the clock. Yep, yep. Um, I'm going to go with Jesse Buckley for Women Talking. All right. Miles twice. You can have pick? a film. It's probably his pick. I'm actually going to round out my actress picks. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do Sadie Sink for The Whale. Hmm. Excellent. And you have another pick. You can either round out your films or you can take one of your actor's thoughts. Hmm. There's a fair amount of interesting films on the board still. And you're the only one who has it. So honestly, you have no reason to wait. I mean, no reason not to wait until your very last pick to take a film. Right. Um, I have to specify which film. Okay, I'm going to do something a little counterproductive. Uh, I'm going to do actor. I'm going to do Michael Fassbender. But even though I've got the killer in picture, I'm actually going to predict him for next goal wins. All right. Just remember that. All right. Steve? Hmm. She said... I'm going to go with Patricia Clarkston. For she said. For she said, yes. All right. Alright, I I'm gonna go Emma Stone Poor Things. That's an excellent value pick right now. And then Man, that light your pick is bothering me. That's No, I know. I really wish I'd gotten that one. You can go with sound. I think that's gonna you can pay... do a lot there. Yeah. That one's gonna pay dividends, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, we've all, we've all made good picks. Is the thing. Um, Except for that Gary Avatar too. You're, you're, pay, you're playing the smart game. Yeah. I'm gonna go Christian Bale Amsterdam. Okay. Because he's also like lost. It is like not weighing anything. Thing. He looks like he has one eye or something. He looks like a mess. So that usually is good for him. Well, and he's always, almost always been nominated when he works with David O. Russell too. I think you'd also stop it. He's almost always been nominated. Well, wow. um, so I'm locked in on picture. I have the Fablemans. I have Avatar Two. I have She Said. I have Empire Light. I have Lightyear. I'm done with my actors. I have Brendan Fraser, Hugh Jackman, Leonardo DiCaprio, Adam Driver, Christian Bale. I have one pick left, and my 
the end of the game. I have an actress left to pick. Steve, you have an actor and an actress still to pick, so pick one of those now. Okay, and we're going to pick a safety picture for everyone, Yes, right? we'll do a safety at the end. Okay. Yeah. So my actor, I'm going to double down on my potentially flawed choices of choosing the maestro. I'm going to go with Bradley Cooper. I mean, that's probably a smart play now. Since what we're going to do is everyone's going to get one extra pick in each thing because of the possibility of delays. So, All right, Miles, your final two picks. All right. Well, since the other main stars from um, uh, Poor Things are taken, I'm going to grab Willem Dafoe. And also because I think he might have the scenery chewist role. Yeah. Scenery chewingist. I don't know what that. He, he might chew the most scenery. All right, and then, now your film. Oh yeah, I got to choose a film still. All right. And that will wrap up your slate before the safety picks. You know what? what? You're thinking three oh, thousand. I got it. Three thousand years of longing. The genie movie. I'm doing it. Yeah, I think, nice. I think you got to do that. <laughs> All right. I, this has nothing to do with my Steve? picks, but I just want to say the uh, Apollo Ten and a Half. Man, did I enjoy the hell out of that film! I, I told you was, guys it was good. Yeah, I was. I I just put it on. I said I'll give it a shot. I end up watching the whole thing, and then I watch it again. Oh, it's with delightful. My, with my kids who loved it and loved asking me oh, all the questions about it. Oh, it's a great family movie it. too. Yeah, it's fantastic. Because it feels like an adult movie, but it's totally made for kids. I think we watched it on a holiday, I believe, and my mother-in-law was over, and she was watching it, and she was enjoying a lot of the references to, you know, the yeah, nostalgic. Yeah, because it feels like, I feel like for an, an older person, in general, not just like someone specific, it feels like watching one of those like CNN specials. Yeah. About like the place and time, but it has the rotoscope idea. Like it's kind of got something for everyone. And it's got you know, it's kind of that Wonder Years coming of age feel too, that, you know, that everyone can kind of latch onto and, and enjoy. It's got that, you know, it's a sweetness to it which really uh, really worked I was I was really surprised by it so that's all uh, I'm not picking it I'm going to go I'm going to continue the maestro train and I'm going to continue with Carrie Mulligan as Carrie Mulligan in maestro for my final actress pick so you're going to go two Carrie Mulligans yep okay. double down double down maestro double down triple down maestro double down Mulligan Mm-hmm. And well, we I'm might going... want to give him a mulligan for that one. <laughs> I know, I know sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Which sport was that from? Tennis, obviously. Oh. No, it's, a, it's not tennis. It's hockey. Ah, oh. right. Jim You're Mulligan. Also... All right. You're doing great, defenseman. Um, I am going to wrap up my picks by going uh, Naomi Aki. I want to dance with someone, somebody. Playing uh, Whitney Houston. That's a smart and one. Na- yep. So now we each get a safety. So let's go through film. You know what? Let's do some chaos. Though any film that hasn't been picked is on the board still. Whoever says it first gets it. So when you want something, just pick it. I'm gonna hey, go white hold- noise. Uh, hold on. I wasn't on the right page. What? Uh, the the white noise the bomb back movie oh come on all right well i'm gonna do turning red for the same logic as lightyear 
right, now I will allow you to have a moment now, Steve, uh, and look at what's on the board. You have Batman. You have um, what's it called? You have Shirley. You have um, I want to dance with somebody. You have the Sun, which is a fucking really good one to still have, actually. Armageddon time. What's the sun? Um, Elvis. Nope. The sun is the uh, Florian. Uh, is um, the the father follow up. Oh okay. Oh, let's go with that. Let's go with the sun. Okay. I like how none of us picked nope. I was thinking about it, but it seems a little too genre-y for me, or yeah. not for Same. me, but for the academy. Yeah. Like I'm gonna love the fuck out of it. Well, but... precursors. Well, precursors might 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 cotton to it. So maybe you gotta we'll remember see. you gotta I mean yes, you, you, you can't go you can't go outside of the academy too much, but if you can clean up in precursors, like I think the uh, everything everywhere all at once one is gonna work out well because even if it gets shut out by the academy, it's probably gonna do well with the critics groups. Alright, actor exactly what my analyst said. There you go. <laughs> Alright, everyone start looking for your actor. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Disappointment Boulevard. All right. That one's off the board. I know I can take my time because I feel like Steve is not going super fast on this one. No, I'm taking my time. Um, you know what? I'm going to go Tom Hanks, Elvis. Oh. That's certainly a choice. I'm going to go John David Washington. I mean, listen, that was my other pick. was going to be that one. But listen. Good doesn't mean not nominated. Or You're bad doesn't mean not nominated. You're not wrong, yeah. but at what cost? <laughs> I mean, I was going to go with. If Will that Smith. was, if that was a yeah, right. If that was a uh, Jared Leto performance, he would clean up in the precursors. You know it. I hate you. you know, I right hate now. you for putting that thought in my head. <laughs> yep. All right, actress. I'm going to go quickly because Francis McDormand. Wait, oh, oh. <laughs> he jumped me. You gotta go with What's the eyes. What's Francis in this here? A uh, woman, women talking. talking. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. First I'm gonna go Jennifer sister. Lawrence for Red, White, and Water. She plays a disabled military vet. Like, come on. That's pretty good. I have to say, I like my actress lineup. I mean, there's a couple. Of, there's there's a there's a couple of really good actresses still on the board. Who who did you pick, Joey? I picked Jennifer Lawrence for Red, White, and Water. A U.S. soldier suffering, suffers a traumatic brain injury while fighting in Afghanistan and struggles to adjust to life back home. Boy, is that an actor showcase. I think it's her and Brian Tyree Henry as, like, a couple, too. All right, on. Um, and uh, I'll get, since, since it doesn't matter, I'll let you know who you have options of, since no one can stop you. You have Anna DeArmas, if you want to go, go bold with that. Um... Daniel is that Denwiler. is that definitely coming out this year, or do we? Do I mean, we know? who who knows? I, yeah, I mean, it's possible you don't want to take that chance. Um, you've got Danielle Deadwilder for the Emmett Till movie. I mean, you go Tilda Swinton. You can go Olivia Coleman, Empire of Light. You can go Laura Dern for the Sun. Florence Pugh, Don't Worry, Darling. Um, you, you know, I'm gonna do... I'm gonna I'm gonna do Tilda Swinton for the Genie fucking movie. There you go. You better hope that movie comes out. It's premiering at Cannes. I feel good about it. Yeah. 
We have a I picture. Mean, that's more than we oh, can yeah, say of most of these movies. That's true. All right, so that's our. There's our lineups. Um, we'll check in with them um, after the first couple precursors, and then you know after the nominations, well, this will be a thing that we'll come back to. Um, re- relatively fun. We need to figure out a way to make it a little faster, but uh, we got. Well, now we're not we thinking about what we're gonna do because we have them. Totally, and you've also like now done this once, so that makes it easier to do again next time. Um, all right. See, so, yeah, it was good to do this first, considering it took forty fucking minutes. Um, we're going to transition now. And last last week we spoke a lot about um, Sam Raimi in terms of Doctor Strange. Today, our film hallmark face-off is Benedict Cumberbatch films, which will then lead into our Doctor Strange chatter that we'll wrap up on. Um, spoiler alert, there's spoilers in our Doctor Strange chatter. That's why this also came last. So if you're one of the few who didn't see it because it made all the money, um, you may want to tap out when we start getting into it. We'll, we'll ramp up to it so you'll know when. But And we'll... Steve, I think you can put a timestamp in for us, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, there was no timestamp. Um, but we'll see. All right. He's like, yeah, I will, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll we'll figure it out. Um, Warhorse or Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? Uh, oh, he's actually one of the better parts of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. That's a film that I wanted to like, but I just kind of was kind of cool on it. But I think Cumberbatch and Tom Hardy and Mark Strong as well are kind of the standouts. Yeah. So, um, and then Warhorse. Warhorse is such a whatever movie. I can't imagine having a strong opinion about Warhorse for good or ill. So yeah. uh, I'll I'll go Tinker Tailor. Sure. Steve. I did not care for Warhorse. I enjoyed Tinker Tailor. So Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I. Yeah, I, I, both movies I had an unpleasant experience with, independent of the film. And I remember it very clearly. Um, Tinker Tailor, I actually saw with um, Awards Radar's um, occasional edit, um, copy editor, Anna Young, when we were both at Awards Circuit. We both went to a screening, and I was coming down with a cold. And I don't know if any of you have gone to a, a film or anything, really, when you're like in the midst of getting a cold and just you just you want to blow your nose every five minutes like you're just miserable like now you'd be gross because everyone would assume you have covid but um not the way to enjoy tinker Tailor soldier spy as you might imagine and then warhorse i saw at the press screening in times square big theater all that my my girlfriend at the time this is like 10 years ago whenever it came out was there with me but this was right in the midst of me um those of you who don't know i was very briefly a police officer I was right in the midst of going into the police academy and doing all of this, like, task management that ha- has to be done to do it. Like, going, trucking over to a different borough to go do a, a drug test or a physical or something like that. And I was beat. And, uh, Miles, you've spoken to Warhorse. Is that a good movie to watch when you're exhausted and mildly aggravated by everything? I mean, it's not a good movie to watch at any time, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> or so no. I, I, I just remember it feeling like the worst-paced movie ever. And, like, it not being bad, but, like, I just... I didn't care. So I feel like I have to go with Tinker Tailor, even though I, I, I don't really appreciate either. And I don't remember Cumberbatch and Warhorse, so, you know, I think I gotta go Tinker Tailor. Speaking of the Police Academy, is uh, Gutenberg as charming as he always seems on screen? Uh, he Aha! was great, but the guy who makes all the noises was a real dick. Oh, uh, Michael Winslow. Yeah. Son of a bitch. I mean, he made the sound of a dick. Oh. I thought you were just crushing my dreams. Go. No, no, no. Um, 
Well, speaking of, Star Trek Into Darkness or The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug? Uh, so I guess this is kind of an unpopular opinion, oh, no. but out of the uh, the last three Star Trek movies, Into Darkness is kind of my favorite. Well, that's fine. I don't hate the movie. I Like, it's dumb as fuck, and it's one of those movies that, like, gave CinemaSins the life it needed to go on to this day and age. Oh, let's not forget, they cure death in that movie. Oh, yeah. Like, well, it's all the worst impulses of that uh, Robert Ortsy, Alec Kurtzman, you know... That era where they were just writing every major blockbuster and it, they kept getting worse and worse. Um, but I think uh, I think Into Darkness is like a fun like blockbuster movie, and I think Cumberbatch is very good in it, con twist notwithstanding. Uh, and then what was the other one? Uh, Desolation of Smaug. Yeah, that movie fucking Second sucked. Topic, that movie yeah. fucking's awful. Hate terrible movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, wow. uh, fucking Star Trek all the way. I can't tell you how delighted I am that most people see the Hobbit movies the way I see Lord of the Rings movies. So at least I know that there's a version of them that I that that other people agree with me on. Um, I actually quit after that one. I have not seen the was it the Battle of the Five Armies? Oh, me neither. And I'm a Lord of the Rings guy, and I've still never seen Desol- uh, the Five Armies. It looks awful. I was just like, I I can't, I can't be bothered. Like, there, it's just, it, I don't know, like. Lord of the Rings is all the things I don't like. It's slow, it's too fantasy, there's spiders, like, all the shit I don't like. And then it just wasn't even liked by anyone else. It was never going to happen. Uh, Steve, which one are you going with? I'm going to go with Star Trek. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to the Hobbit films, I mean, they're bad, but they're they're not as bad as people make them. It's just that we're spoiled, and we have so many other great things out there. But, yeah, they're just... Uh, there's no no reason to revisit them. There's so many other better options, but I think they get I think they get shit on a lot, and Fair. I don't think they deserve it. You know, they don't need to be I, kicked uh, while they're down. They're already down. You're right. I'll kick the Lord <laughs> of the Rings opinion. movies instead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I uh, I only saw the first one because it was in the was it like 800 million frames per second, which and looked terrible, by the way. Yeah, boy, if you want to watch British sitcoms directed by Peter Jackson. Have I got a way for you to do that? And, uh, yeah, it, it's, like, not a pleasant experience. Uh, Into Darkness is fine. I think it's the weakest of the three, just because the the things that are, that are goofy and dumb about it just are... Because it's not trying to be a goofy and dumb movie. Like, Star Trek, the first one, is... It knows what it's trying to be. It's trying to be, like, you know, Star Wars, essentially. And it works. And Into Darkness is trying to be, like, their empire. And it doesn't work as that but in terms of just telling like a interesting like fun story it it mostly works just like i think the the next one what was it uh star trek beyond is essentially a long episode of if this was a tell a star trek series you know it's kind of inconsequential and all that but they they sort of work for what they're doing um whereas the hobbit does not work at all i guess like the the smaug scene was all right like that yeah, long, it's, long it's the one good part of the movie, but it goes on way too fucking long. Yeah, it's also yeah. like a half hour and happens two hours in. Like, you can't possibly care by then. Um, so it's a sweep. Next up, The Imitation Game or Black Mass? Bonus points if you remember who he played in Black Mass. He was the brother. He was like, he was the mayor. He was running for mayor or something like that. Or a senator, maybe. He, his brother is a politician. So the answer yeah. is you only kind of know. I Yeah, but I defy anyone to do better than that. Um... Yeah, he's in it. He's fine. He doesn't leave a big impression. That's not an especially good movie. Uh, 
imitation game is yeah it's oscar bait and it's obvious and it's there's certain things personal details about his life that it doesn't handle with the most grace uh but i think he's very good in it and i've always liked that nomination for him so uh, i'll go imitation game fair enough um steve i did not see black mass so i will go imitation game uh, it's actually going to be another sweep. I think Black Mass is fine. It's a Scott Cooper movie. Like, aside from, I guess, Hostiles I like. But I think all his other movies are kind of just all fine. Crazy Heart, Out of the Furnace, Black Mass. Antlers isn't very good. But, like, they're all, like, on the same level of, like, acceptable but kind of soulless, if that makes sense. Imitation yeah. Game is very Weinstein company prestige like this is designed to win awards but he's very good Kira Knightley's pretty good Matthew Good's pretty good no pun intended uh, I mean it's it has that sin of like the t- the end the postscript stuff having more interesting things than parts of the movie but that is a an all too common thing uh, and it also has become kind of a joke that like their postscript has like you know today we call them computers but it's still a solid movie. It gets the pick. Next up, Avengers Endgame or Spider-Man No Way Home? Oh, Endgame. That's interesting. If it was Infinity War, it might be that one because I think that has some of his best Doctor Strange stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're talking end, <sighs> I mean, he's barely in Endgame, but I think Endgame is the movie I like more. Mm-hmm. No Way Home is good, and he has more to do in it, but... I don't know. I like it. I still like No Way Home a lot, but I don't think I love it as much as when I first came out. I think having sat with it a little while, it's still very good. It's still top tier MCU, but it's maybe not in my top three anymore. Uh, but Avengers Endgame is my favorite of the MCU, so I think I'll go there. All right. Steve? Um, yeah, what does he do in Endgame? I'm trying to remember. He, he, he shows up at the very end and he holds up his finger. Yeah. Like the wait for it thing. Yeah, you know what? But that's a big moment. I'm going with that. Infinity Wars yeah, where I'm he's not... doing, he's going through all the all the 40 million op, uh, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had, he yeah but no, that is a great moment. Now. So. He gets to have the, this was the only way. Yeah. Uh, ironically, he gets more to do in that one. But if it had been Infinity War, I would have gone Spider-Man. Because I like that movie better. I'm going to go Endgame because I also think it's the best of the MCU. I think these have all been sweeps, which is wild. Um, next up, it's going to be interesting to see if either of you have seen either of these films. The Courier or The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. I've seen them both. All right. I have I have not seen either, so I abstain. Yeah, yeah. Well, will it be another sweep? Steve, go ahead. Um, I'm going The Courier. The Courier's kind of got kind of an old school fa- uh, dad movie type feel to it, but I, I really enjoyed it actually um, because of that I thought it was just something that was just a good kept me very interested the other one the one with the cats uh, what's it called yeah. uh, the electrical life of uh, yeah. Louis Wayne or Louis Wayne it was interesting yeah. and there's a lot of great creative choices but overall it also had a, it, yeah. even though it had some kind of a very unique take and some creative strong bold creative moves in it um in the end, underneath it all, it, it also had a kind of 
older feeling you know it felt like a film yeah. from the 80s or, or or probably the 80s it felt like in the way that when you watched big eyes you were like this felt like a movie that like somebody else would have made 10 years yeah. ago as opposed to like lesser tim burton and this but, also feels like it would have been lesser lesser tim burton but on top of it yeah it had the, you know the this kind of creative uh big creative push that didn't yeah it was it said it was okay i, I didn't mind the film i just wouldn't watch it. The Courier I would watch again. So I'll go with The Courier. I, fair enough. I don't think I would watch either film again, but The Courier is slightly better. So yeah, it's a sweep. <laughs> Finally, we wrap up on The Power of the Dog or 12 Years a Slave. Um, yeah, it was a whole thing last season where I didn't really like The Power of the Dog as much as most people, or at least most film people. Um, I think he's amazing in it, but I just the movie didn't really gel with me. Uh, 12 Years a Slave is, it might have been my favorite of that year. I would have to go back, but it's definitely one of the better best picture uh, winners, I think, of the past uh, or of that decade. Um, so, yeah, uh, and he and he is quite good in it, even though it's a smaller role. So, yeah, 12 Years a Slave. Steve? Um, another dramatic pause. Yeah. And... I'm going to go with Power of the Dog. Sorry, no sweep. Oh. A tough enough. one, but... Um, yeah, it's a very tough one. I, uh, I think I'm going to go 12 Years a Slave. They're both great. They're both really good. Yeah. I just had uh, 12 Years a Slave on a week or two ago. I don't know, a couple weeks of time has lost all meaning. Um, but, uh, yeah, it holds up. It's. I mean, it's so grim, but it is uh, quite good. That's the thing so, too. Is it I is mean, so grim. It's like, you know, I, it's when a I, tough when we make these selections, I, I imagine. I do a lot. Yeah, it's a thing. I go back and I, I think when we we make these selections, do I want to watch it right now? And you know, there's a, there's a, a lot to appreciate in the film. It's just not, you know, it's a tough film. Oh yeah, it's one of those movies where like, I can't imagine being in this movie. Like, almost anyone in the film. Like, you yeah. know, even small roles. And, like, everyone's good in the movie. But, like, for example, I am I need to say no more and don't understand what I mean. But like, can you imagine being Paul Dano in that movie? Yeah, I know. Like, I, I, I respect the ability to do it. And, like, it's the same as, like, being able to channel Riddler and all that. But, like, you know, even if he's on set for just a day, that is a day of being in that mindset. And, like, I, I've met him a couple of times he's a lovely man very low key like I gotta imagine that you just like you go home and you need a shower you know yeah. like I that I have a respect for people who can like channel that kind of thing I mean Michael Fassbender does that for like basically every scene uh, it's it's something um, so let's uh, before we talk about Doctor Strange in case there are still the spoiler adverse people I want to quickly bring up since we're kind of talking about the emotional draining of uh, 12 Years a Slave, um, on Monday I put up an article just talking about, like, tearjerker moments in the MCU. And, like, you know, you don't go to Marvel for for emotion necessarily. But um, there was a line in Doctor Strange that, thinking about it later, kind of, you know, hit me since I'm an emotional wreck these days. Um, Doctor Strange, mildest of spoilers, talking to 
uh, Christine saying I love you in every universe. It's a multiverse, like whatever. Um, it's a very profound line. You know, whether you're thinking about it, not so much in the movie, but if you extrapolate into like life and how you feel about a person, it uh, it hit me. It hit me pretty hard. So I uh, I was I was taken by that. It made me think about other moments. So I, I I kind of made up a small list, and I wonder if you guys want to add to it anyway. There's certain ones that I know are um, popular, but they're also not necessarily like a tearjerker moment. Um, you know, certain people sacrificing or dying in the movies, like they're not really going for that in those scenes. Like I would say, like Yandu is as much like a, a smile, like funny bit of just like I'm Mary Poppins, bitch. You know, um, as much as it can be emotional so if we go through my list and then you guys can add to it i have obviously i love you in every universe and then the other ones that i picked were um from wandavision what is grief if not love persevering that's kind of the big one i think like it's strangely profound like in the middle of a of a, a you know pretty good tv show there's this line that like if it was in a Oscar bait drama, you would, it wouldn't be out of place. Um, I also have uh, Tony Stark's sacrifice and funeral in Endgame. Not so much necessarily the snap, but I think like you know Pepper saying you can rest now, and then just seeing the funeral of like basically every character is interacted with him standing there. Um, I have from Infinity War, uh, Peter going, uh, I don't want to go, because that's the only snap moment I think that is like could be like besides a shock of just like oh no. Um, and then the last one that I have is um, it's the reaction that Andrew Garfield has when he saves Zendaya's MJ in No Way Home. Like that he's driven to tears, essentially. Um, so I want to know if you guys have any you'd like to add. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I've got two. And uh, one of them, I was kind of surprised because um, it's the picture that you used, but it's not on the list. Uh, it's from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And... Um, sort of the whole um, Ravager funeral at the end, and yeah. specifically Rocket's reaction to it, and him sort of completing his arc of like realizing that even though he's been a dick and a horrible person, the friends will still show up for him. Yeah. Um, I thought about, I, I, I didn't really think about that one too much. Though I, I looked at a couple people on like the internet who had posted similar things to see what was going on. I did think about We Are Groot, though. We are like groups, him. not bad. The other one I yeah. would throw out there is um, also in Guardians Two is the bit where um, uh, Mantis touches Drax's shoulder and realizes that like how much pain he's in constantly, but yeah. uh, he, he's just sitting there like sort of enjoying the sunset and just that contrast I thought was really effective. Yeah, um, Steve, what do you think? Did you say the uh, uh, Natasha end of Natasha in Endgame when she? I did not. Back. That was another option, also. Yeah, that's one. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Loki. I was. I, I wouldn't say I was emotional about it, but when Loki died, I was like, I don't. That one hurt. Well, that was. Yeah, that was. That one wasn't as emotional as like a really clever way of them being like, no, it's serious this time. Like, but they became brothers. You, you know, know they, it's like that's like that's a moment when you 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 realize that it wasn't yeah. just you know there's some, Honestly, there was like a change in, in in who he was who the character was yeah, yeah. for some reason any there's kind of little... sibling connections often uh, affect me yeah that's fair like um in in ragnarok like a movie that's as much comedy as anything i do really like when 
Thor tells him, like, you know, I, I thought the world of you. Like, I would have done anything for you. Like, yeah, that's like, a good one. Um, you know, moments later, he does. Uh, what was what's it? Let's do help. Get help. I don't help. Do help. Get help. I don't want to do get help. Like, it's just they, they manage tones really well on that one. I mean, they're all, you know, every I would say almost every one of them has a line that's like meant to be their deeper mark. It almost feels like there's a like a foggy mandate to be like, you got to have something in there. But these were sort of the ones that I think were were close. Like I, I gotta say, the 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 Andrew Garfield look is that's that's a credit to Andrew Garfield being a fucking really good actor because that probably wasn't in the script per se. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the script is out there. Like maybe it is, but I feel like that's a that's an acting choice to like really lean into the like. I basically get to complete an arc for a character that's not been thought of for a decade almost. That that was pretty cool. Well, yeah, he says I wasn't able to save someone. Yeah, I think that's the moment um, that got me more. I, you know, the the other moment where he saves and dies is, is great as well. But the uh, him discussing it and you're realizing because I don't think I don't recall. Did they they never had a chance to revisit that? That wasn't the second film. I so mean, the, is, at the end of that film, he walks around sad for a scene or two, and then he goes to like her grave, and yeah. then decides I'm gonna be Spider Man, and then the movie ends. But this is years later. What are we looking? nine years later or something so it's like well that's what i liked about like both characters getting to say like you know andrew garfield gets to say i uh you know i I, it's always stayed with me and and toby mcguire talks about like stop was it toby mcguire who said he didn't pull his punches anymore or was that andrew Garfield? no that was garfield okay so it's garfield it's all garfield talking about like it changed who i was i became a worse spider-man because i became an angry Mm -hmm. spider-man as opposed to like your friendly neighborhood spider-man and no, because, yeah, because um, Tobey Maguire was talking about, like, yeah, I, I, making it work with MJ is hard and, like, harder than being Spider-Man. Like, that, when you think about it, they did layer that really well to be, like, both sides of the coin. Like, how this is just not a great gig as much as it seems like the fun gig. Like, it's it's actually kind of tragic to be Spider-Man. Uh, For sure. Which the one, us, um, yeah, the one other one from No Way Home that actually I think got me more was... Um, the bit right at the end where um, he and uh, where uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man and uh, MJ are sort of having that moment where they realize they're about to forget about each other. And just yeah. that whole him making that sacrifice at the end, I thought was really well done. Yeah, that movie, well, that movie does emotion very well. Yes. Yeah, that's where that's where it, the heart of it lives. I, I Some of the action I didn't care for as much, which is why I don't have it ranked as high as a lot of people do. But the emotion's great because mm-hmm. there's also uh, Aunt May's death. Is uh, Yes, another. that's a good one, too. Huge yeah. moment, and like, oh yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's good stuff. So um, and, and, we can also and, uh, revisit this when there's more. And Wanda losing vision in uh, Infinity, I thought. Yes, which actually brings us back to uh, Doctor Strange because uh-huh. it's referenced that uh, you know she essentially killed him and it meant nothing. Uh, which is which is one of the great so. Um, we're going to ease into spoilers, but I would say now is a, a good time to keep that in mind. Like, something may come up. Because, um, Miles, I want you to talk about it because you didn't get to talk about it last week. But I'm also kind of framing it in. You heard us talk about it. You saw whatever trailers or whatever you saw. They do a pretty good job of obfuscating what this movie actually is about and, like, who the, like, quote-unquote villain is. Like, there's something to be said for... I think a lot of people are getting a different movie than maybe they went in and expected, including like 
Wanda having a real like compelling story that maybe does not go the direction you thought it would. But uh, yeah, Miles, start us off. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I think I went into this one with expectations in check. You know, I've definitely loved a lot of the MCU films and even the worst ones I usually end up still liking. Um, But, you know, I didn't want to get too excited because it was Sam Raimi, who's one of my favorite horror directors. And, you know, you hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Uh, This movie is Sam Raimi as fuck. And I love it. Uh, It's definitely on the high end of the MCU for me primarily because I was shocked at just how much they let him sort of let loose and make the film his own. And you can feel it in almost every scene. And, you know, they're little... It's not a perfect movie. There are stretches of, uh, like, sort of kind of bland dialogue or the more exposition-y stuff where it's... The first act is, you can, is the least Raimi. So that's maybe the weakest, I think, also. Yeah, and, and there's a little bit more of it sprinkled out where they're talking about, you know, all the different books and, oh, what's this mean? And yeah. all that, and they, they restate know, like, a lot of like, stuff. Books it are gets, Sam Raimi it, it thing gets, also. Like, those two no, books it's, are very Sam Raimi. <laughs> the presence of the books doesn't bother me, but the exposition around them and what they Fair. can do and all that stuff. Like, there's a one amazing sort of, you know, cross-fading montage when they're describing it, but most of the rest of them are just characters sitting down explaining the book and re-explaining the book to each other, and that's the stuff I didn't care for as much. Sure. Um, yes, but the that's... books themselves, like, the Darkhold is very Necronomicon. There's, you know, plenty of editing and shot compositions and camera movement and all sorts of stuff that's very Evil Dead or Drag Me to Hell. Um, it is, you know, to wade very briefly into the whole, is it too gory for a PG-13 discourse? No, it's fucking not. (laughs) There's so many PG-13 movies that are more intense than this. There's a lot of implied violence. There's a lot of stuff that does skirt to the edge of PG-13. But if this was an R, this would be the tamest R I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it's not. There's the, the implied stuff is bad. There's, there's maybe one thing that I think is, is like more than barely gory like like when we talked about like it's it's more the surprise of it but yeah it's definitely re- surprising that it gets to go as far as it did within the mcu because you but... Know, but the first moment that i think made me wonder like oh is sam raimi gonna get the play is the like the random like monster thing at the beginning when they which they i love the what an amazing design yeah but the idea of like oh they they beat him by like pulling his eyeball out yeah, like, just like giant eyeball, like flying around New York. Yeah, that was pretty gnarly. Um, there's and some the, great the kills. Head, the head, the head cannon is the big one. Oh, so good. Uh, well, and the fact that like the entire third act revolves around like a disgusting looking zombie as our main character, essentially. Again, couldn't be more Sam Raimi. But I thought with the the other one that that had a lot of impact was. Uh, Let's just say there was a, uh, a while well, he was a cameo. He was in this in the trailer, I guess. Oh, we're gonna get into it in a second, so you don't have to. Okay. You don't have to tro- tread light. We'll do that in a second. But uh, okay. what I will say before we get into like the full on revealing things is um, this is a good argument for a thing that I've been saying for a while that like I feel like Marvel will let you make your movie. It's paint by numbers, but you can use whatever paint you want. It's like here is the movie we're making. We're making Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. You can make it however you want it, but you have to be making our movie. And it's clear that Sam Raimi can do that. Whereas we found out that, like, Chloe Zhao, who I would argue is probably a better filmmaker. They're both great, but, like, different tools. But, like, maybe as a more talented filmmaker, struggled with that. In the same way that... 
Talk oh yeah, or like Cam. Kenneth Branagh. Like Damn Kenneth Branagh is a great filmmaker. Thor was kind of anonymous. Like they told him the type of movie he's making, and he didn't really add much to it. Whereas I think Sam Raimi went, okay, this is the movie you guys are making, but can I make my version of it? And they're like, as long as you do A through Z, have a ball. And like it, he was able to do that. And it's granted a very specific skill. You know, not everyone can can do that. It's the equivalent of like making a like making a Bond movie, but giving it a lot of personality. Like it's just so much of it is not automated, but like on a rail that you kind of have to be able to work in that tone or be able to take something smaller. Like you know, James Gunn and, and Guardians. Like there was less expectations there, so he could play more. But to be um, fair, though, with Raimi, he's a good fit for the Multiverse of Madness. This is oh yeah, no. If you were given him, if you were given Thor, him, what would he have brought to no, Thor? No, like you know, yeah, like Thor: The Dark World wouldn't have been a good fit, and you probably would have seen a very anonymous movie, or it would have just felt incongruous with what you were watching. This yeah. was this was the right fit. This is a smart matchup. Absolutely. So to get into the the, the bigger spoilers, like yes, there is there is. Um, Several cameos. We all kind of knew going in that Patrick Stewart was in it. But yes, the council uh, of cameos. Yes. Um, oh, well, Steve avoided things. But he was in the trailer, so like he was allowed... You were allowed to know, essentially. Uh, but the fact that... I don't that know why. They... I, I think it was an interesting tease to give you one. To be like, here's something. Because also, like, X-Men is such a big question that a lot of people have about the future of, of Marvel. So to do that and then to give him also, like, it's not a graphic death, but... Well, I mean, we're just gonna say it. Like Wanda snaps his fucking neck. Yeah, but it's, it's pretty, pretty gnarly. It's pretty. It, it's it's pretty and that graphic and there's no blood or anything. Well, it's intense because also like you spent how many movies watching this man? Also, it's the third time you've seen him die. It's also an 80 year old man who is getting his neck snapped. That's yeah. that is. I think that one held the most weight. That one, like, the, well, there are two. That one and the collapsing head, or yeah, the collapsing head. Yeah, because that's think. what is it? What is he? Um, so when they reveal the Illuminati, it's 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 Patrick Stewart, which we all knew was going to be. Um, it's Baron Mordo. Although, real quick, on Patrick Stewart, what I appreciated about the way they did him, he didn't just show up, like, rolling out of the X-Men movies. He no. shows up in, like, the yellow hover chair and with the theme song from the 90s X-Men cartoon, totally. which suggests to me that whenever they do get around to doing X-Men properly, that's kind of the vibe they're going to be leaning on in order to differentiate them from uh, well, the X-Men of movies oh, yeah. of old. When we, when we talk about... Um... And another character, <laughs> yeah. That yeah, when we talk about one of these people situation. in moment, they've left the door open to either continue with these people when they introduce them or make this a one-off. Like, they didn't commit to anything. And, and while that seems like a cop-out, I actually think it's a pretty clever move because it allows them, one, to gauge fan reaction and also allows them to just make a, a story choice as opposed to locking themselves in. Uh, well, not only that, it creates a great m- moment to kind of subvert uh, the idea of you know, using this situation for fan service. It's basically a glorified scene where you get like six kind of major and significant and reality altering cameos. And then within like 10 minutes proceed to graphically murder every single one of them. It's beautiful. So so you get, so so essentially what you get here is so people know what we're talking about. Obviously if you haven't seen the movie, you're opening yourself up to this, but yeah, I don't Professor know why X. you'd be listening to this yeah. if you yeah. care but haven't seen it. Yeah, <laughs> Professor X, you have that, this, um, so they're in a different uh, a different universe, so this is, um, Baron Mordo is the Sorcerer Supreme, so he's there. Uh, the Doctor Strange of that world was one of these Illuminati, I believe a founding member, 
yep. and then the uh, the ones that people basically would care about as like surprises were um, there's a Captain Marvel, but it's not Carol Danvers. Miles, who is it? It's Maria Rambeau, aka Lashana Lynch, who we just saw in No Time to Die. Exactly, and then there was two other ones. One of which I think caught a lot of people by surprise three. because there were. Well, yeah, you're right, three. So there was one that I think caught a lot of people by surprise because you went, eh? which is Black Bolt. Uh, played by Anson Mount, who played him in the god-awful uh, Inhumans TV show. Yeah, so that was the, like, what? Um, which, which is its own thing. Um, and then I'm leaving the big one for last, but who was the other one, Miles? Uh, uh, Haley Atwell as Captain Carter. Previously exactly. seen in one in What If, although I think it's reasonable to say that this isn't necessarily the same version. Yeah, because this isn't really What If, because it's not like... We, we thought they were like Marvel Zombies and Strange Supreme and all that. It's not that. They're doing something No, else. not at all. Um, it, if anything, I feel like What If would have played better if it came out after this, because this kind of sets up a lot of the ideas that What If then sort of proceeds to dig into, but they're not well, as impressive if you see them first. Also, wasn't this rumored to have been initially coming out before No Way Home and stuff like this? This was an earlier film? Uh, no Way Home, yeah, but I think What If was always going to come out before it, just because yeah. it was going to be ready. Totally. And then the other big one is you you get Reed Richards. You get the Fantastic Four, at least one of the four. And it is, in fact, John Krasinski. Which I kind of love that he's like, fine, I'll do it, but I'm only doing it once. Uh, until they... Well, maybe. So let me, let yeah. me go back to what I was going to say before. Uh, I think it's a clever cop-out, possibly. Depending how they move forward with it, will may alter how much I, uh, how much I care for it. Because otherwise, it is fan service. Unless, especially since it's in the multiverse, they can say, well, that didn't really matter in the other versions of the universe of this, you know, these characters in other universes or whatever you want to call them, other multiverses. They are other played by other actors or whatever it is that to me, there's no consequences. So when after after it happened, you know, during in the film, I was thinking that meant nothing. That potentially meant nothing. I mean, it really did mean nothing at all because they're all still alive. This is just a little, like it's it's kind of like a cutscene in a video game. I mean, that, it depends you know, on how they just determine to entertain me. Just, and I think it just depends on how they work with the multiverse, which is a big question. Yeah. Something we talked about last week. Like, is this other Earth a big deal, or is it just like a one-off? Like, is is every multiverse type adventure just going to have? another earth where you can pull whatever you want from because in that earth like major shit happened obviously but here's um, here's my theory of what happens with the whole multiverse story arc um or mm-hmm. saga however you want to call it in the end there's going to be a turn of a key maybe not a physical key or, but some sort of key that shuts down and closes the multiverses forever so they will What's be that? closed off and we'll never have to hear or think about them again so everything that happened in those that didn't affect the Earth, you know, what is it? Is it 616 that we're... Yeah, part? I think we're yeah. in 616, yeah. So it, everything beyond that is just going to be some happy playtime. And, and again, like, like fan servers, kind of like the, the What If series. Um, there's a lot of stuff there. There's no consequences. When they had the zombie episode, you didn't think, oh, no, I've you know, we lost another character. It's fun for the moment. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the whole comic book thing coming back. And now that the universe has gotten so big and the film universe has gotten so big, we can have these alternate universes. But I think you have to make sure that at the core, whatever whatever they present is strong. And I'm not saying I don't I dislike it. I had fun with it. But that's always my issue with all these multiverse films is like, when, like I said, when Loki died, I was upset. 
when Loki yeah. came back, and then Loki came back for a series, and then they said series part two. I was like, ah, you're kind of cheapening something that once meant something to me. So yeah. that's, I mean, that's, that's always my issue I, with these. What I would say was, I, well, one, I think, obviously a lot will depend on what their big thing eventually is. Like, are they eventually building the Secret Wars? Um, or whatever the, the case may be. Because I think some of those big, giant comic storylines do involve, like, huge, like, epic things that eventually they just tie everything into everyone's in one Earth. You know, 61681, yeah. whatever. And, and part of the impact is supposed to be that, like, well, you know, if the X-Men are from a different universe and Fantastic Four is from another, and, like, everyone is dropped into ours... Well, their other universes are dead, you know, so they have that kind of thing. So it just depends on how it's handled. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Well, because like what they're doing is, it seems to me, is just because it's the thing that's come up most consistently in the post-Endgame world is multiverse is the new Infinity Stone. Like, that's the new sort of big thing that everything else sort of revolves around in yeah. one way or another. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Secret Wars makes sense because, yeah, like you're saying, in the comics, and both Marvel and DC do this, is, like, they'll let their stories build and build and build and swim out in all sorts of different directions until there's just way too much shit for anyone to reasonably keep track of, and then they'll do a big event like a Secret Wars or DC had a Crisis on Infinite Earths, and they'll just have, you know, this big blowout everyone comes together and fights the you know big evil man on a chair whoever it ends up being and then yeah something happens that basically brings everything back to one or at least back to you only have one continuity you need to keep track of yeah crisis and infinite earth i think is the one that ended up doing that right where they just eliminated all the other timelines and then it Um, transitioned into the new 52 and then they rebooted that five years later so they're going to be constantly doing this but we've just never seen it done on this grand of a scale, like with multiple movies, like yeah. at least the Infinity Saga, it was all building to one thing. This, it's harder to see what they're building towards outside of m- more multiverse stuff. Yeah, By the totally. way, I have to say, uh, with Multiverse of Madness, you would expect the Marvel film that has multiverse in the title to be like multiverses for days. There's like three universes that they primarily spend their time in and one quick sequence where they travel rapid fire through like 20 but otherwise it's kind of just our universe and two quick alternatives yeah which is i mean mean, it it keeps the movie more focused but it's almost surprising i think Uh, also the the post-credit sequence hints at there's also what is the dark universe or whatever the dark well that so that's the dark dimension so that's separate from the universes Aren't you glad you know? There's a lot. That's the thing. Is I yeah. Well, and and you know, who's to say they don't change it the next three movies? And fuck it. Uh, I do really want to want to quick sort of to Steve's point though. um, Just uh, talking about the cancel of cameos. I know they have a name. I don't care Uh, because I think it's interesting that I think it works in the context of the movie because even if they weren't cameos, even it was like the Council of Krypton where they're just a bunch of random guys. I think the presence still works because they from a story standpoint from obviously from a meta standpoint they're there for fan service but from a story standpoint the main reason they exist is to beef up wanda as the villain is to give her sort of this epic sequence of plowing through them but that's because they're based on characters that we know we're already kind of familiar with the various power sets so we're able to sort of like oh if she's tough enough to like destroy this version of captain marvel then that's no joke yeah, but that's my problem too. You know, and and this is you know has to do with being a, a longtime 
film and, and entertainment uh, fan and uh, connoisseur uh, and consumer um, that I saw the strings and I'm like, well, I know what they're using this for. And I'm like, <sighs> on paper, I understand why they did it, but it just doesn't land yeah. as well as I'd like it to. And I'm hoping that in the end that I'm wrong and they go, man, they really, you know, they really pulled this all together. They really made this work. And like, you know, that with when Endgame finished, you walked out of the theater and you're like, damn, I was glad. I'm so, I'm so happy I was on that full ride. And I'm hoping yeah. that this feels like something that, you know, that started shortly after, what was it, with Ant-Man and continues all the way to whenever they close this chapter that you, or, you know, close this book that you are like, damn, and, you know, it, it, they, they did it. They, you know, what's his name? Uh, uh, yeah, Feig, right? Yeah, Feige. Yeah, Feige, oh, yeah. You know, is a, a, the ultimate composer, and and somehow you didn't see, you didn't expect how they were going to do it, but somehow he made them all work together in, in this unison. Um, but yeah, Maybe. you know, yeah. I, I'm not, I don't want to be too negative. I, I I enjoyed the film. There's a lot of I liked about it. I just, I guess, what I'm looking for is that one film or or series that's going to tie it in a little bit better and to make you understand what journey we are we on because right now there seems to be a lot of pieces. And we're missing that connective tissue. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what movie they're planning on that being yet, but yeah, yeah. You know, I think once they hit that, it'll for you especially. I think it'll come together a little bit I al- more. I also think to that point because I, I like even though I've for the with one or two exceptions, I've mostly enjoyed sort of this phase of things. I agree that it all it feels like a bunch of random disconnected stories that are clearly in the same universe, but we're waiting to see how they impact each other. And I do think that one thing that makes this phase different as well is the incorporation of the TV shows because each of the shows is so much extra content in and of itself. And then they do kind of connect to the movies, but at the same time it's kind of kept within arm's reach. Like you should watch WandaVision before this movie to get a proper sense of Wanda's arc. But at the same time, they do kind of give you all the basic information you need to sort of, you know, you won't get as much out of it, but you'll be able to more or less follow along just with the brief stuff they show of the kids and whatnot. Well, that's also, this is the most mainstream entertainment possible. They have to do that. Well, but so like, for example, as a point to what I'm saying, so Kevin Feige said recently, you know, when asked about the multiverse stuff, that it's actually the end of Loki that triggers sort of multiverse stuff starting to go awry. It's because they stabbed Jonathan Majors at the end that these things can are allowed to start happening. Ooh. So now what so happens in that? No Way Home is happening as a result of that. Multiverse of Man is happening as a result of that. But you don't really feel that in any of those movies. They feel like very separate occurrences. No. Well, there should have been another funny. scene, and after a post-credit scene in Loki that had something that showed like and maybe maybe there was something i don't i don't recall but there, I, I think it's more fe- that we're the gonna... post credits was just there's going to be a season two yeah like jonathan i think it's kang and ant-man is going to be the introduction because i don't think well yeah he's going to get his Ant-Man. full he's going to get his full introduction there and as far as i know be the main villain which is not necessarily to mean once they beat him he's done that'll probably just be a version of him like we've talked about it may but also I be think, that he's uh, unleashed yeah. in that movie more so 
Yeah, exactly. When I was half expecting him to show up in uh, this one just to sort of tie it in, because that would have given you a little bit of something like, okay, there's a version of Kang, even if he's just in a post credits or whatever, you get that like these things are somewhat connected. Well, but that yeah, is the fun instead, of... we get fucking Charlie's Theron showing up as a character well, we don't know. <laughs> well, I mean that, yeah. But then the funny part Magic. is that your second sequence is like it's going to either be Kang or Deadpool or the X Men. Nope, it's Bruce Campbell. Oh, that was awesome. Oh, be- be- best <laughs> cameo great. in the movie, by the way. Well, that's fantastic. the thing I think I'm going to work on um, soon, or maybe I'll wait till the next one. Is I want to do the, the post credit. I want to rank the post credit sequences. Oh, have fun. There's so many. I have mine. <laughs> yeah. The problem is, oh, so you know what? Let's wrap up. Name your wait, favorite. Hold on. One. Let me say one more thing before we go. Fine. You got to go the, uh, When it comes to the Wanda Scarlet Witch um, being the villain, I was surprised I, I put a tweet out and luckily I decided to be a little bit more vague than I had planned um, I didn't realize that wasn't known I, I thought going into this I'm like okay what's well, gonna be it's gonna be them two facing off it's gonna be uh, Doctor Strange versus versus Scarlet Witch and then it turns no, out it was that presented more as like a team up before that Oh, I, well, again, I didn't well, see yeah, the trailers. Well, yeah, because you didn't see the trailers. So, yeah. yeah, the trailers definitely downplay. Like, they show that she might be edging towards villainy. But, like, it's not like the in the movie, like, 15 minutes in, he has a conversation with her and she immediately drops the pretense. Just like, yeah, I'm the villain. And yeah, I thought she was great. And I, th- I think, oh, yeah. you know, she she's more effective for having had so much buildup because she works as a conflicted villain where you can see where there is that good person underneath sort of fighting but at the same time she's like terrifying and she's got and i'm so glad sam raimi got to direct her big villainous movie because man the two just work so well hand in hand oh those those, those that the te- like five or ten minutes with like the, her chasing them down is oh yeah it's so some creepy. of the I best uh the when it comes down to it though i think the wandavision setup is one of the really strong connective tissues that's why i felt like oh is it obvious you know this some people said it didn't make sense for her to turn like she did that was a a complaint on twitter i was like what are you talking about it's it's been it was kind of you know telegraphed we knew it was coming and if you didn't know it was coming then you never had kids or you're never in love with the person who uh you know you lost and her you could see her rage was there it has been there it started you know it started to peek through and you knew it was good you know it's just amount of time before especially after the loss of the kids that she was well that surprised me so many well, the Darkhold as yeah. well, and that's in the post-credits. But I think a lot of people are just flat-out misreading the end of WandaVision. Because yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, she she fixed it in the end, and she's good now. And how how should she go back? And it's like, I didn't get that at all. Like, no. she, say, she f- finally reluctantly released the people from their mind prisons and, like, you know, reluctantly kind of saved the day. But, like, you know, she fucking belted out of there with zero accountability and she's still clearly very psychologically messed up like she may have made peace with the vision aspect of things but now the concept of having had kids like that's not something you just get over and be a good guy again so yeah. no i think i think it and and like she we, she was introduced as like a villainous character and like you know volunteering mm-hmm. for hydra experiments and all this shit so Which, i think i think yeah. people want to think she's a be- better is the wrong word but yeah. that she's a more you know heroic well, character than she sometimes well, I think is that's what made the fun of of watching her become carrie essentially for a little bit and just rail through these people and be covered in blood and like the normally kind of horror elements and mm-hmm. like the jump scares you get from her jumping out because yeah. you can easily identify with her because you can be like but i thought she was a hero like 
it's it, there's there's a little bit going on there that I that but I the, appreciated that like her monster is like the most realistic monster possible. The beginning of that path is her in the Mayberry version of her in uh, in WandaVision, and then it ends at yeah. the polar opposite where she's just like slicing and dicing. It's fantastic. I, I think I think that her arc is is was really well done, um, and that's where I'm feeling with everyone else with all these other storylines. I want to see that connection. I want to see. I don't want to be like, that oh well, someone line. explain it to me. I don't want it to read about it. I don't want it to hear have to hear Feige speak about it. I want to see it on screen, and I think that's what I'm missing right now. So, so yeah. more of that would be great. All right. Sure. All right. Let's, oh, and real uh, quick, very very last thought, super quick. Um, the uh, the music note fight is now one of my favorite scenes in the MCU. Oh, so cool. oh, it was so good. That's all I have to say about that. It's all right. phenomenal. I agree. All right. Now, uh, Miles, say we can be followed and give me. Uh, your favorite credit scene from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's uh, yeah, 56 should... currently, including the shows. Oh, well, let me just run through them all in my mental Rolodex real quick. I mean, I have the article if you want. No, uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got it. You're gonna wing it? I'm gonna wing it. Uh, so you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. You can read my work. You can read my writing on Awards Radar and on Looper. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Uh, best post credits in the MCU. Oh, I'm also gosh. looking at this, and I don't think there's necessarily a bad one. There's some that don't I mean, mean There's anything. a couple of bad ones. That first one from Eternals was pretty fucking rough. I mean, I'm not even thinking about Eternals, but we'll get there in a minute. Um, well, and I, I didn't especially love the Charlize Theron one either, because it's very, no. you know, I am a famous actor playing a character you've never heard of. Let's go on another adventure. Oh, like, yeah, there's been a few bad. too many of those. It's just kind of like, yeah. I think it was bad. I think, I think that's one I, of the I things think, that I, when it, it ended, you go, wait, this is how they're connecting this to the rest of the universe? And that's like one of the things that was kind of like a, you know, kind of a negative right, blow against fair. the film. For me. Yeah, it's, it, it, I, I, I was glad we got the Bruce Campbell one as yes. the second one because that Fantastic. cleansed the palate for me. <laughs> um, but best one, honestly, because it was such a sort of surprise that they would use a post credit on it. I mean, now they do the gag ones all the time, but I think the first like really effective gag one is uh, the shawarma scene at the end of the first Avengers. That's a great one. Because they set it up in the movie and then like, you're waiting through the end because you know the last time you waited through the end was first Captain America and you got the trailer for the Avengers so surely yeah. you know you've seen this big team up event and they actually pulled it off what's going to happen next you already got the Thanos thing so you're revving to go and it's just them like sitting like looking like bored and tired and sweaty and dirty and bloody just sitting there eating shawarma it's hilarious they need more of that I think I think throwing those in I think that's well, why that's the Bruce why I Campbell like works the, uh, Exactly, because it's the exact same. And they're usually good. Oh, honorable mention along those same lines, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, the Captain America like yeah, yeah. giving a lecture about patience. I thought that was you brilliant. Maybe thought you've wasted your time. <laughs> How many more of these? Yeah. Steve, you're up. All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Filmsnork. You can also read and uh, watch my interviews on Awards Radar. A lot of great Emmy interviews coming up and a few out there right now but keep an eye on those and you can also uh, listen to my work 
not my voice, on The Verse, America's favorite cinematic universe podcast. Um, and when you're talking about, which on our podcast, we have post-credit scenes. So if you ever listen, stick through the 30 seconds of, or 10 seconds of credits. And every time there's always a post-credit, some are better than others. Um, unfortunately, uh-huh. at this point, no Bruce Campbell. But my number one uh, by, way, by far. You, if you want a second, go ahead. No, you go first. Go first. Go ahead. Oh, my number one by far uh, favorite post credit scene is Wong, uh, Shang Chi, and Aquafina heading out for karaoke. Uh, not only uh, that's a good one. It, it starts off being something important. It gives you a little piece. It connects you to the to the universe, and then it's one of the best gags I think, and and callbacks. Yeah. I think it's I think it's perfection miles um variety listed all 56 the clea scene from multiverse of madness comes in at number six fuck off what <laughs> that's some that's some charlie's there and simping is what that is oh well yeah they were also saying that this is a horror movie and it should be rated r so <laughs> well you can find me at joey maggotson facebook twitter instagram letterboxd all that stuff awards radar is on several of those things um for me i think the two big ones are um, the first one, obviously, Iron Man. I'd like to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative because it that was great. Kind of introduced this whole concept, and um, in terms of like impact, uh, Far From Home. If you don't leave, if you leave before that, oh man, yeah, that's a good one. That's a major plot point. Um, oh yeah. But then there's a lot of other ones that are good um, and clever. You know, whether it's just like or just like oh Howard the Duck or something like that, where it's like it means nothing. But it's a. It's a Let me throw moment. one more in there. Yeah, go ahead. Because I have uh, one more also. Go ahead. The end of Endgame, and it wasn't really your post-credit scene, but just the clinking sound of, of uh, Tony, building yeah, yeah. the, building the suit. Uh, totally gives me the chills. That was I, so uh, the other one I'll throw out is the end of uh, Infinity War, where you see the symbol for Captain Marvel. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That was a cool one, just because it's like, oh, something's coming, as opposed to like, Ugh. how, why? Um, I like that one. Man, I love oh, it. Actually, as well, um, I, uh, I think Far From Home sort of deserves credit for having like two really significant ones, because I also like the other one where you get the reveal that um, um, Nick Fury was a, was a Ben Mendelsohn's Skrull, and that he's actually on like a freaking space station. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one means less to me because I was like, wait, what? Am I supposed to care? Or is it just yeah, that's, well, that's how re- I feel. It recontextualizes the rest of the movie because you realize it's not Nick Fury. Yeah, it makes sense why Nick Fury is kind of bad at his job in the movie. Yeah. Oh, and I like totally. Ben Mendelsohn. I like that character. Oh, yeah. Big fan. More movies. Right, we will continue on next week, but that'll wrap up uh, for now. Uh, let us know your fantasy draft uh, thoughts. Uh, make your picks if you want. If you want to be real ambitious, pick the ones we haven't. See if you can beat us. Or, you know, you can you can do yours however you see fit. And, uh, yeah, we'll check in on that going forward. Uh, next week, you'll hear about my thoughts on Top Gun. I will have seen it by the time this goes up, but we recorded before I went to the screening. So, alas. But, uh, yeah, we will be back uh, next week with more uh, shenanigans. So, stay safe. Um, don't be like the Supreme Court and be evil. And uh, we'll see you at the movies. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs>